one knows how to play poker. Poker, poker. But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. Poker. This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. And we are underway, the World Series of Poker, with the words, this is the most exciting day of the year, coming from Jack <laughs> Effel on the stage of the World Series of Poker. John Sin, last year's champion, called out the shuffle up and deal, and they are underway at the World Series of Poker. Today, as we do the show, is day 1A. There will be 1B tomorrow, 1C on Friday. And they will be off and running in the World Series of Poker. A lot of things to talk about. Obviously, there's been a lot of great, exciting uh, tournaments down over the last week. Some big-name players have won some championships. Uh, been very happy to see some of the winners. Uh, Scott Seaver, Anthony Zeno both won bracelets. Nick Schulman won a bracelet. Uh, Good for the him. Broadcaster. Uh, Robert Campbell uh, won his second bracelet of the summer. He's a uh, mixed-game uh, uh, expert. And he won the uh, limit seven deuce, uh, deuce seven low ball triple draw, and it was his second. Or that was the first one he won. This last week he won uh, the ten thousand dollar stud high low. So uh, he's from Australia. There's also Robert Campbell, who's a very good mixed game player that is from uh, South Florida. Uh, not the same player. This one's from Australia, but uh, great performance by him out there. Uh, but probably the most exciting one is from the South Florida guy, uh, Philip Wee, who is uh, going out with Lonnie Harwood for the last couple of years. They had some really cute pictures of him, his bracelet ceremony, uh, where he was holding the bracelet, uh, standing behind her and holding it on her neck as like a necklace. <laughs> and uh, she leaned over and kissed him and everything, and it was very cute. But uh, he is from South Florida here. In fact, I ran into him, I think I mentioned on the show last week, one night I ran into him... Uh, up in uh, Margate uh, at a Wawa and uh, talked to him for a couple of minutes. And I've had him on the show before, interviewed him. Uh, he plays in a lot of the local tournaments here. Well, one of the slum donkeys. And uh, certainly um, it's been a great year for South Florida players, as we talked about with Michael Tate two weeks ago and Joe last week. So uh, a lot of fun. Everybody's having a good time. And we'll see if we can get a South Florida winner in the World Series of Poker this year. Uh, we haven't had one, huh? Uh, I did notice uh, Michael Moed and uh, his wife Angela Prada Moed both played in the Monster Stack. Uh, made it to day two, and I think Michael played a couple other tournaments. So uh, I don't know if they're back now or not, but uh, certainly we have uh, a lot of friends that uh, play these things. I have, I'm pretty sure they're both playing the main event, so if they came home, I'm sure they went back and uh, they will be playing this weekend. But today is uh, day 1A, and they just got underway. We're doing the show a little earlier than normal, and uh, they just got underway. So we don't even have any chip leaders or anything like that, but we will, we will plug along. Joe, yeah, Joe sure, said it's a I'm, good thing if we don't have chip leaders. That's, yeah, I'm just looking for, um, you know, I was looking to see if I could I'm sure see how many have entered so far. Yeah, that was what I looked for, too, but I hadn't seen a report on that. Uh, David O.D. Baker was a winner. This past week, uh, won his second career uh, WSOP Gold Bracelet by winning the $1,500 Limit Hold'em event. And uh, that was a very popular win. Uh, it has a lot of friends out there. And uh, Chris Ferguson finished fifth in that event, by the way. Also, uh, Schulman's win was in the $10,000 PLO 8 or better. Uh, Nick Schulman, very popular because he does such a great job uh, analyzing on, the, on many of the Poker Go broadcasts. Uh, he went head-to-head for the title with Brian Hastings, who's also here in South Florida. And if that's not enough, Joe Hashem finished third. Wow. So that was pretty exciting as well. Uh, Bryce Yockey finished eighth, which was pretty cool after taking that bad beat. But we're going to talk about his bad beat in the uh, Poker Players Championship, won by Phil Wee. That was a heads-up battle, as it turned out, down the stretch between uh, Phil Wee and... Uh, Josh Arie, they battled for nearly five hours head-to-head. Wow. Which is pretty incredible. Yes, it is. But that was a great uh, final table there as well. Negreanu went very deep in that one, and uh, some really interesting players. But uh, uh, in the end, it was uh, Philip Wee winning over a million dollars in the Poker Players Championship, and he was just so thrilled. 
He said, I'd so much rather win this event than the main event. He said, this is the most important thing to me. Well, of course, he's a mixed game player, so you can certainly understand that. Yeah, well, you know, you get the, the Players Poker Championship title with that, too. So, Yeah, absolutely. But, but I think most people would want to win that main event, even though, like he says, this is him beating his uh, contemporaries, uh, you know, at a game that they're all very good at. Yeah, that's for sure. For $25,000 buy, and you better be good at most of those games. Uh, they're wondering if they're going to have the biggest main event ever. I think there's a good chance of that. We'll see what happens. Uh, I think you need about 8,200 to uh, make the biggest uh, ever. Well, I, I did get a number on an entry okay. as of right now. As of right now? They're going to need another 8,100 just to get to that number that uh, you just mentioned. Oh, they just, all, they're only 100. announcing 100 entries right now. Wow. But remember, it just started. It's I only guarantee. 130 over there, so it started an hour and a half ago. I guarantee there's at least 2,000 people playing right at this second. No, not 2,000. Uh, maybe a not 2,000. Maybe 1,000 right Let's say now. A that might have been the, the initial entry, right? Right? Would they start right at noon or at 11? They started at noon out there. Okay, so um, we're talking only an hour and a half that they've been playing out there. A few changes this year. Uh, 60,000 starting stack instead of 50,000. Wow. Uh, a lot of people are thrilled about that. Uh, they are using four rooms out there. They've always used the Amazon room, the Brasilia, and the Pavilion, but they have added a fourth room, the Miranda. And uh, just <laughs> don't you feel the excitement though? I, I feel really excited. Like it's, it's some guy like you or me could go out there and be sitting in between Phil Ivey and Daniel Negreanu uh, with just as much chance. Well, not just as much chance. It's not that silly, but uh, conceivably a chance to win. Well, uh, listen, you know, we've had a lot seven, of eight million. A lot of people who are who haven't done a whole lot ever since they won the main event sure. to win it. So. I think your 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 initial comment was going to be true there because the difference is these guys who have deep pockets and are that talented have to play a different style of poker than in these other tournaments where you can re-enter. Right. I mean, we've always talked about how Daniel has you know fired five, six, seven, eight bullets into certain tournaments, sometimes even more. You know, you can't do that in the main event. So, you know, I think. Again, not the skill level isn't there, but uh, you have the the equal amount of chance where, you know, no one can continue to buy themselves into a championship by constantly, you know, playing an aggressive style or a different, completely different style and and losing their stack and then knowing that they can just go banny up to the window and buy themselves yeah, in again. Yeah, yeah, so. absolutely. Um, the thing, another thing that's different this year is you are allowed to enter the event. No re-entries, no re-entries, which, right. as you mentioned. But you are allowed to enter the event up until the start of day two. So it's not like late in the, in the day one session, that's it. Uh, the start of day two, which is not until next Saturday and Sunday, or this right. is coming Saturday and Sunday, you can actually walk up uh, at the start of the day and enter the tournament still after having not played on day one, A, B, or C. Oh, really? Yeah. So they're allowing you to come in with the 60000 at yes. the start of day two? I did not know that. Yeah. So uh, levels, 120 minutes. Uh, they will take a dinner break at 3:45 out there, which is kind of weird, but it has something to do with the TV broadcast, and that is in the middle of the second level. And uh, the TV coverage will start tonight on ESPN2 at 8:30. Will be uh, coverage uh, the next couple of nights, right around that time. I think one night it's nine, and the other nights it's 8:30. And then when they finish, they'll be on for like four, three or four hours. And then you could go to Poker Go and get some of the uh, overnight action. Overnight for us, not overnight for them. But uh, certainly uh, you can find all the live reporting on Poker News and the WSOP.com pages. So uh, we'll be following it very closely and see what happens. Uh, should be fun. Uh, lots of bracelet winners out there. I think they've awarded 65 maybe. Uh, 72, no, 71, 71 bracelets. Right now, they're they're currently playing the $500 Salute to Warriors charity event. Mike uh, Sexton is on. There's actually a two-day tournament. Mike Sexton is on to day two there, and a few others. Um, some of the late winners. Uh, I mentioned Scott Seaver, Anthony Zeno, Phil Wee, and uh, one of our uh, listeners sent me a text uh, right after the show last week and said, listen, I just wanted to let you know a good friend of mine, first-time bracelet winner in the $1,000 uh, online event. And his name is Jason Gooch. Picked up a bracelet there, so we, we'll give him a shout-out and congratulations. Also, a guy named, uh, winner of a trophy winner named uh, Dash Dudley. What a great name that is. Dash, Dash Dudley. Dudley. <laughs> and he happens to be from where I, the, the town I was born in, Lansing, Michigan. 
Very nice. So, kind of a lot of cool things going on out there, and we'll be following it all along. Uh, as far as the TV coverage goes, just to let you know, Wednesday, uh, July 3rd, if you happen to pick up the show tonight, you can catch that starting at 8.30 on ESPN2. Uh, tomorrow night at 9, Friday at 8. Those are all the day ones. And on Saturday, they'll start a little early, 7 p.m. on ESPN2. And Sunday goes to the mothership, uh, ESPN, for day 2C on 2.30 in the afternoon on Sunday. So plenty of coverage. If anybody's been complaining about not being able to get some of these uh, tournaments that are on CBS Sports uh, Network instead of Poker Go, um, you have a chance to catch up on all this series stuff. The tournament concludes, the final day is July the 16th, which is a Tuesday night. ESPN will be covering it beginning at 9 p.m. Very nice, very nice. So the main event, I don't know, but it seems like it's gotten here really quick this year. Yeah, sure has. It always seems to, for me, it always, I don't know if it's that little boy Christmas atmosphere (laughs) at the end of the month, but. I think that's got something to do with it. You know, but all of a sudden this year it seems to have gotten here very quickly. Yeah, it really has. Well, I want to just wish everybody who's going to be entering it and who's playing in it now the best of luck out there. It definitely changes your whole life. Yep, sure has. Uh, they had this uh, WSOP First 50 uh, gala. Uh, it was just a couple of nights ago, and uh, they gave away awards. Uh, wanted to run down some of those just for the fun. Uh, we had talked about some of the categories, and uh, this is uh, what people were actually selected. The 26 veterans of the poker media and the industry uh, made the selections after the public uh, helped vote for who would be nominated. But... Uh, TV's most memorable memorable hand, uh, Sammy Farha against Chris Moneymaker, which they called the yeah. bluff of the century. The bluff, that that's ex- correct. That's the one that I, that kept coming in my mind. Sammy Farha makes that call there. That, that we, Moneymaker gets a little bit of publicity, but not not doesn't get credited with all well, the all, changes with the whole poker world. You know, you know, we would not have the excitement I think that we uh, had the next. Well, few years, you so, know, yeah. listen, it still would have been a great accomplishment to have come in second. Uh, you know, at coming in off of a satellite, uh, you know, an internet satellite, but obviously, you know, you don't get all those accolades and everything else as as uh, as he has gotten over that time frame. Yeah, because Sammy Farha. Especially at that time, was considered. You know, remember he always had the unlit cigarette yeah, in his exactly. mouth or in his ear, and uh, yeah, uh, you're right. Yeah, you probably don't get the build up at least for those first few years that we had. So yeah, for sure. Uh, Money Maker won three awards. He won for uh, that hand. He also won an award for most impressive uh, WSOP main event win. And was also included among the four most important players in WSOP history. Uh, we talked about that last week, and you mentioned Moneymaker. Uh, I did. I put three. I, you said I put three and Moneymaker. You said that whoever was, whoever list you were looking at, that I had three of them, but he didn't have Money uh, Moneymaker. Did we have Negreanu? Did you? No, have, no, no okay. I did he, not. He was on this list. I had Helmuth, uh, uh, Stu Unger, and Doyle, yeah. Stu Unger, and then I put Moneymaker because of. Not not obviously because of his poker skills, although he's he's turned himself into an excellent poker player, um, but because of the significance of his win. Right, exactly. Well, Negreanu won for best overall WSOP performance in a single year. In 2013, he won two bracelets and had four final tables. Uh, also, the events given away or prizes given away, uh, fan favorite was Negreanu. Uh, WSOP's favorite bad boy, Phil Helmuth. Uh, those are pretty obvious, I yeah. think. Uh, and uh, we mentioned uh, Chris Moneymaker, most impressive WSOP win. One of the funny ones, I thought, was uh, kind of an in- interesting award. Most likely, player most likely to succeed. And the qualification was who will win the most bracelets between 2020 and 2070. In fifty year period? <laughs> yeah, just kind yeah, of listen, just kind of a fun little thing. I mean well, how can you I, you can't really predict it. Well, but who we, do you think won? Who do you think won who do I think won? Yeah. Between now most people have to go with someone they obviously know. We don't know who the per, somebody could be a great well, poker true. player twenty years down true. the road and has not you can't, 30 name, you, can't years. Name your, you can't name your grandson. Yeah, exactly. Um <laughs> Daniel is still young enough that he can probably get enough of them there. I think he's, what, 46 now. Is he that old, yeah. 46? I remember he got in when he no turned longer, 40. No longer kid poker. Yeah. Um, wow. That's a really, really good one. I mean, from 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 us talking, 
you know, although he, I don't know what he's done this year, and obviously his life changed since he got married and had a kid, but I, I would have had no problem choosing Jason. Yeah, uh, well, yeah he not, knows yeah. how much he played. By the way, there's uh, some photos of him. He was playing uh, the the Poker Players Championship out there, and boy, does he look different. He has a very long beard, black beard, and he's losing some of the hair in front on the forehead. Welcome to marriage yeah, exactly. and fatherhood there, Jason. <laughs> I'll have to show you Thank the picture you. on one Thank of the breaks. But, uh, <laughs> almost unrecognizable. But uh, anyway, uh, most likely to succeed is Justin Bonomo was the, was the winner. I, I don't think I'd have an argument with that, no. especially after seeing what he's done over the yeah, last he won few 20, years. He's won, 25, uh, he won $25 million in 2018 and has three lifetime How bracelets. old is he? Uh, doesn't say. Don't know. I would say but I would, I would say twenty eight or nine probably. Yeah, I was just going to say somewhere between the late twenties to early thirties. But he did tweet out uh, a, a little note. He said fifty awards were given out tonight at the WSOP fifty. Thirty two of them went to Chris Moneymaker, nine to Real Kid Poker, five to Helmuth, and three to Texas Dolly. Somehow I infiltrated the group and won the last one. Yeah, that was just, <laughs> just a joke. There was only seven awards, but that's pretty funny. I wish I could remember. Uh, see if Joe maybe remembers also. I uh, remember. Uh, about 15, 20 years ago, somebody was doing the uh, the Oscars, uh, you know, the ceremony. And he goes, well, let's just get to the trigger. The winners tonight are De Niro, Pacino, Meryl Streep. You know, <laughs> they were naming all the all the, all the the favorites of the actors and actresses who had in already intro, won. Yeah, like in the opening credits. He goes, let's just save some damn time and call these, you know, De Niro wins, Pacino wins, Meryl Streep. You know, and they, they kept going on with all the all the great actors and actresses. That had won, you know, multiple Oscars. So this kind of feels like that there, you know, with these guys winning all these things. But you know, rightfully so, as far as uh, as far as Helmuth and uh, Texas uh, and Doyle Brunson, you know, yeah, they absolutely. had a whole lot to do. You know, they they don't get as much credit as Moneymaker does. Absolutely. And the other one would have to be Stu Unger, you yeah, know, exactly, uh, exactly. getting a lot of credit for for his great style of poker. Well, let's take a break here on the program. Our first break, and uh, we've got plenty of things to talk about today. Um, when we come back, we'll uh, we'll try to work in an interview with Howard Mash that I did, the seniors champion from South Florida. So we'll talk about that during the break. And uh, if we don't get to that this week, we'll carry it next week. But uh, we'll be back when we return. You're listening to Poker Action Line. I'm Big Dave Lemon along with Joe Rodriguez, and we'll be back right after these messages. This is Poker Action Line. This is Big Dave for PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Want to know what's really cool? Your charitable tax-deductible donation every time you play. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com, the feel-good gateway to fun and prizes. Play free. Learn our system. Get 50,000 free chips and play for prizes. Play for scholarships that benefit Caribbean students. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Take it from Big Dave. A win for you is a donation to Caribbean education. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. From the vantage point, Mafatu saw six war canoes drawn upon the beach. The wet held the boy's eyes in awful trance, with the figures springing and leaping about the flames, darting, shifting, bounding toward the sky. The eaters of men. Cannibals. Firelight glistened on the royal bodies, on flashing spears and bristling decorations. Mafatu watched the strange scene, powerless to move, and he felt doom itself breathing chill upon his neck. In that very instant, he heard a crashing in the undergrowth. Four figures were tearing toward him through the jungle. He could see them now. He turned and ran blindly down the trail, slipping, sliding, stumbling, his breath all but choking in his throat. Only one thought gave him courage as he ran. His canoe ready and waiting. If only he could reach it before the savages overtook him. Explore new worlds. Find out what happens next by reading the book Call It Courage by Armstrong Sperry. For other great book ideas, visit literacy.gov. A message from the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the show. Big Dave and Joe here on Poker Action Line as the World Series of Poker main event gets underway. Uh, of course, the prize pool is still to be determined, but uh, I would say probably close to $8 million for first place, depending on the number of players that uh, get in over the next three, three and a half days, I guess you have until uh, yeah. the beginning of uh, day two, so uh, several days uh, where you could get in late. Would there be any... Uh, any reason to enter late? 
Would you say the start of day two? That's not. We've kind of had this discussion. There are people that like to know, you know, uh, you're talking about uh, late on that day two? Yeah. Uh, no, not right. late on the day two. It's the start I mean, of day two. Before the start of day two. Right. Coming in with the 60,000, uh, you know, obviously knowing that everybody who, are, not everybody, but a large majority of the people who have survived have a larger starting stack than you do. You're coming into, a, I don't know what the blind situation will be there. Um, so you actually have to kind of get busier a little bit quicker, I would imagine. I, again, without knowing exactly the blind structure right now off the top of my head. Right. Um, advantage, you're saying? Uh, the only thing is if you know that you have whatever other commitments you have that you can't get in, at least you know that you're going to be able to get there and play for, the, you know, still get into the main event where in the past... If you didn't make it by the time they closed it off on the last day, right. uh, day well now one C there used to be a one D, uh, you were shut out. Um, I'm not a good enough player to know, you know, <laughs> the, the benefits. We know that we have a lot of, you know, top notch poker players that don't mind coming late into tournaments. Obviously, with 120 minutes, two hour blind levels, you know, you're, you're not going to get really uh, blinded out a whole lot. Right. So. Again, and for me, there are people who say they like to come in on the last day because they can see, you know, where the top stacks are, you know, from the would, two days would, before. Would you want to play on the 4th of July? Myself? No. no I don't actually, think I you know, I've always said that Although if I go play in the main event, I want to play the first day. I don't yeah. want to have anything really? in my head that somebody had a great day and, you know, I'm, I'm looking up at a huge stack you know, uh, just to get, you know, just to start this damn thing. I know you can't win the tournament on day one, but, you know, mentally you go in there and you know that somebody had a monster day and is closed out with, you know, 500,000 or three-quarters of a million on day one because you know, they got hit with the deck. And you say, damn, I'm starting, you know, I'm starting. <laughs> they got me by more than 10 to 1, you know. I think I would rather play the first day also, especially in this case because, the middle day is the 4th of July, so you could go and play on the 3rd, have everything out of your mind and done, enjoy yourself on the holiday, not have to play again until the weekend. So uh, that's what I would choose. My thinking has always been day one, because again, I don't want to have that mental thing in my head saying, oh, look at all these people that are in front of me right now. This is what My mind works in a way of, Dave, I need to try to get up towards those figures and obviously, this tournament is so so long that you really don't have to do that. But you know, your my mindset works that way, so I'd have to try to change that. Besides that, the other thing is you have what you have the fourth and the fifth, which would be days one B and one C. I don't know if they're taking a day off to come back for or no, because then day two A is the Saturday. sixth. Sixth. Yeah. All right, so you've got two days to also, you know, if you make it through that day one to kind of get some rest, you know, get right. some rest and, you know, get your mind set right, in my opinion, to come back. But again, you know, the top pros love coming in on that last day for a reason. And, you know, I, I'm curious to see. Uh, it'd be nice for us maybe for the next show uh, to see if, um, if, if, where the winners have come from, from what day yeah, one, yeah, from what day be, one they've come from. The I guess, of that would you be know? interesting. Uh, here's a good question for you, and I really don't know the answer to this. What is the Fourth of July like in Vegas? Well, I could is tell. Fireworks I, near the Strip. Would you be able to well, that keep you awake? Uh, I can you only tell you what New Year's is like. I've been there twice for New Year's. They start closing off the street. Uh, you know, uh, putting rails on it. Uh, on the know, strip? On the strip. You know, the, the traffic stops at a certain time at night. You know, then, then they're closing off all the side streets. So, you know, you, you don't even think about coming near that Probably area. Probably not quite the same in the 4th. People are walking all over the place. And then the fireworks takes place in a lot of different casinos right. all over. So yeah. I had the pleasure of seeing it the first time from right above the Nine Fine Irishmen at New York, New York. We were there with friends of my, one of my daughters, and he, the, her father, had business with them, and was a you know a, a high-rated player. So it was only a select few people, 
It was his family along with us and another family that was allowed on the top part of the nine fine okay. Irishmen. So we had like a stellar view of all the different fireworks for New Year's Eve. I don't know if the fourth is the same. Probably not. Joe? Probably. Well, if you guys don't mind me getting in. Hey, everybody, Please. this is Joe Costello. I'm producer <laughs> for the day. Uh, I, too, have been to Vegas for New Year's, and it seems like Fourth of July is very similar in that each casino has their own fireworks display and approximately 330,000 additional uh, guests come into town for Fourth of July. Right. Um, and so that extra amount of people, you, you can still walk the strip, as Joe mentioned, they close uh, vehicle traffic to the strip right, on not people, New Year's, right. but not people. It's a sea of people out there. So if you're going to add 330,000 people in there, it seems to me they would probably have to do something similar. Um, but yes, what you're getting at, Dave, will there be the sound of fireworks to for poker players? Away. The answer is yes, there will. Now, what about where people shoot off the fireworks there, it would seem there'd be a lot of debris coming down on other people's well, hotels. Well, Joe, I don't know about when you did it, because you're saying every hotel... What, what I saw was... Being that a lot of these hotels are all part of one big, uh, you know, corporation, like the MGM being in control of, you know, of certain, so many different hotels. Because there wasn't one at New York, New York, or the, but they did have them, you know, like I'm saying, probably six or seven of them going all around town at least. Well, for instance, and I just went to the Reno Gazette Journal, your Las Vegas 4th of July fireworks guide. Available on Google. <laughs> Caesars Palace has got uh, their display. Uh, Mandalay Bay has a display. Uh, Red Rock has a dis- display. So maybe not every every casino, like on New Year's, for the most part. There are several, but quite a few do have their own fireworks display. So you're going to see fireworks over the Strip if and, you're in Las Vegas. And, and it to... sounds like really fun. I think I might like to be there for that. Yeah, yeah actually, because I, I enjoyed I the too. hell out of uh, out of New Year's Eve, the two times that we were there for that. So they, they just handled it so well. And the other amazing thing was when all of this is over, like when New Year's Eve it was over, I don't, probably about an hour and a half to two hours after that, about two in the morning their time, their cleaning crew starts getting out there to clean up the streets. And by the time you wake up in the morning... It's spotless. And, it, you know, you, you're like, I can't believe they, they they put on an event like this and look at this city, you know. So, uh, major props to the people out there in Vegas, to definitely knowing how to put on a, a really good show and making sure that, that the, the flow of people and, and, and what you're there for doesn't stop, uh, doesn't get delayed for any reason. How do we get on the high roller for that, though? Uh, the well, Ferris wheel thing the, for the fireworks would be insane. What's that called? Uh, the high roller. The Q? The, oh, the, no, the Q's in London. Oh, well, you're talking about the... Link the, is the, the hotel. Okay. The Ferris wheel is the high roller. Okay. It's up on the top. I have not... I have not. My daughter has done the one at Stratosphere, and my and all of my daughters have done the uh, the roller coaster around New York, New York, that oh, okay. goes up on top. Yeah. But, but my oldest one's the only one that was brave enough to do the one at the Stratosphere that would go up and... You're at the very tip of this thing. I know, I know at the Rio they have a zip line that goes from one part of the hotel to the other from the top floor. Pretty crazy. Oh, I have not, I have not yeah. been no there to see no. that. Give so. me a Ferris wheel with a bar, and I can bring 15 of my closest friends and watch fireworks. That sounds good to me. Yeah, that from yeah. up there, that's a hell of a view. That's right, Joe. Uh, a few other things going on as the main event gets underway. You talk about uh, you know, what would... Make you decide to play the third day and that sort of thing. Well, you might be involved in an event that's going on now. The final day of the uh, 888 uh, Crazy Eight. Think about that. That's right. Is going on. Uh, chip leader is uh, Alexandris Rusinovas and uh, Vivian Saliba, who's a very pretty woman from uh, Brazil that uh, imb- is a, an 888 poker ambassador. Just just saw just saw her picture on that thing. You're absolutely right. Yeah, she's incredible. Uh, but she's still alive in the play. Also, Vlad Darie, who finished second in a huge tournament here at the Hard Aren't Rock. They, they were down ago. to the final ten there, no? Yeah, they're down to... Last time I looked. Yeah, the final ten. Uh, and uh, Rusinovitz is a chip leader. And a very unique uh, worldwide field. Uh, Darie's from Romania. There's Canadian, a couple of the U.S. players. Lithuania, Brazil, Ireland, and all uh, represented in that one. Also, there's an event, new event this year called the Mini Main Event, which uh, had 5,521 entries, only $1,000 to get in that one for a buy-in. The Mini Main Event, and they are down to just eight players. Chip leader is uh, Andres Korn from Argentina. 
Uh, Yi Ma from China and Jeremy Sadern are uh, in second and third, if respectively. Uh, there's a $5,000 no-limit six-handed game with Joao Rivera in uh, in charge there. Olivia Bousquet still alive in that one, and also Joe Cotta. 28 players remain in that one. The Salute to Warriors, which is a new event which benefits the USO. Uh, $40 of each buy-in there, a $500 buy-in, but $40 goes directly to the USO, uh, which has obviously provided live entertainment and other serious uh, services for active military for over 77 years. 1,723 entrants uh, yesterday on uh, day one, and they are underway today on day two. Ben Yu is playing in that one. Mike Sexton still alive. And uh, Miami and Arcadi Sinis uh, still alive there. The $10,000 Limit Hold'em uh, is still playing. And uh, 51 players survived the action from yesterday. Uh, Andrew Brown is the chip leader. Elia Lezra still alive in that one. And the main event, obviously, we mentioned getting underway. Also, there's an online event, a $3,200 High Roller online event, which is underway as well. Uh, the hand I wanted to talk about, though, was from the Poker Players Championship, and everybody's talking about it. It's possibly one of the bad beats of all time. Uh, the hand came around on deuce seven low ball. Now, if you know the Poker triple Players draw, Championship, triple draw. which is uh, eight different games, and this was deuce seven triple draw, Josh Arie and Bryce Yockey. Uh, if you know the hands, uh, you'll know that the best hand in Deuce 7 low ball is 75423. Uh, on, the, on, the, on the draw, or on, on the draw, on the deal, uh, Bryce Yockey received 76432, which is the second best hand you can have in the game. Uh, the winning percentage for that is 99.84%. <laughs> Because there's only one hand that can beat you. He's playing Josh Arie. Arie uh, had two higher cards and uh, six five three. Uh, he sent back the two big cards, and over the two draws got a four and a deuce. So he had six five four two three, which is seems like a lower hand, but because it's a straight, it doesn't count. <laughs> So he has one last hand. They are betting along the way. He turns in the six and gets the seven, which is the it's nuts, like, the very best yeah. hand. Uh, so they they went, obviously, Yaki, who had the smaller uh, chip stack, pushed all in and uh, turned over his cards and could not believe it when he saw Ari's hand, seven, five, four, three, two, to beat him and mm. knock him out of the event. It's the only hand you could see that beat you. That's it. The chances of uh, getting beat in that hand, 1 in 2,548 is the odds of winning, uh, of losing that hand. Uh, Nick Schulman was calling the action. He said, this is the worst beat I've ever seen in a televised tournament. Uh, the good news for Yaki is that he collected 325000 for going out in fourth place. Uh, John Esposito, Phil Wee, and Josh Arie continued on. And obviously, as we mentioned, Phil Wee won the tournament. Uh, just incredible uh, to see something like that. But his reaction it was funny too because he, if you get a chance to see the highlights at some point during the series, he's wearing this hat he got in South America with uh, blue and uh, had like animals on it and colored. It's like a fedora kind of type hat. It was hilarious, <laughs> and the look on his face—you uh, just couldn't believe it. So, if you just wonder what some of the other percentages are, uh, aces versus kings before the flop. Uh, aces are a 81.06 favorite. Yeah, it's about against any 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 other pocket pair. It's it's, it's usually the same amount. I mean, it, it's like they said. It's most times aces against a, an individual hand is like 90 percent. But the more hands that get involved in it, I think once you're up against three other opponents with pocket aces, you're you're down to about 50% of winning it, the winning the, the any hand. I guess the other thing for Yaki is, uh, you know, people don't like to listen to bad beat stories, but, but he's going to have he's going to have the doozy of if anybody brings up a bad, bad beat story, he can match him uh, for, well, for cash for we, anything. We were discussing this before we got on the air, Dave, and I, you know, and I thought that hand that uh was it um um 
that our good friend Corey, Corey Zeidman. Zeidman beat uh, the one where he caught a lot of crap on the internet oh, because they the said slow roll on against slow Jen Harmon on Jess Harmon, right on on Jen Harmon and you know uh, that was a pretty bad beat for yeah, her. Yeah, absolutely. You know absolutely. the way it played out. You know, and again, it was I don't know, I don't believe it was I don't know if it was televised or not, but uh, you know those are all bad beats and. In this particular case, though, you know, drawing two cards, you know, you saw your opponent draw two cards and then draw one. You know, you can't even imagine that, Dave. You can't imagine that he was drawing to the one card of which you've got one of them. That's the other thing you're thinking about. You've got at least one of them, you know. So, at the most, he had to hit a three-outer on 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 the on his last draw, right. which he obviously did. Right. But how hard is that that you have to that you had to draw twice, get the other one? It is. It, as you as the more you think about it, that is just so improbable, especially when you're dealt the second best hand that anybody could possibly have in that game. That, right. that is amazing. Pretty crazy. Um, Let's take one more break on the show. When we come back, I got a little uh, quiz that I want to tease Joe with. Uh, kind of get in the spirit of the uh, World Series of Poker uh, here on the 50th anniversary by uh, giving a little quiz that they have on uh, Poker Stars. I took it myself today. We'll see how Joe does versus me. But uh, we will do that when we come back. Uh, if we get time, I want to talk about the TDA Summit, too. I'd like to give Joe a little chance to read up on that. So maybe we might save that again for next week. But. Uh, uh, all the big names of the uh, tournament directors, Matt Savage, uh, Neil Johnson, Tab Duchateau, uh, Johnny Grooms, and Lloyd Fontias were on the panel, and they took a look at the uh, big blind ante and a few other things and uh, made a couple of interesting decisions. So if we get a chance, we'll talk about that, but most likely we'll do that next week. But we'll come back, we'll try this little quiz, we'll see what Joe knows about the World Series of Poker without any studying ahead of time. Yeah. Don't even know what it's about. Okay. So we'll uh, we'll have some fun with that when we come back. You're listening to Poker Action Line, and we're with you every week. Uh, you can always pick us up on SoundCloud or on the uh, Hold'em Radio Network is uh, securing us as well. And, of course, our website, PokerActionLine.com. Get a copy of that, or iTunes, or anywhere you pick up your, your uh, podcast. We'll be back with more of the show when we come back after these messages. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration, and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. Welcome back to the show, Big Dave Lemon, Joe Rodriguez, and we are uh, 
cheering on all the players out at the World Series of Poker. I haven't got a number yet. Well, I'm kind of looking around I for did that. See, I did see did the, you? Uh, uh, one of the players on one of the things that I was looking at. Uh, Alan Cunningham has entered the uh, day one there. I know that Qui Win just took his seat. He's out there. The 2016 champion is uh, sat down. Uh, looks like about 900 entries are sat right now. But I guess the day one. Qui Win, yeah, I see him right here. Uh, Stephen G., uh, former November Niner, also Frank uh, playing Casella. today. So I'm looking at Frank Casella. Elio Fox, uh, David Fan. Early run. Uh, Brian Hastings playing today as well. So uh, we'll keep an eye on some of that and see if there's any interesting bust outs early. We talked about a, a Aces versus Kings hand very early. Uh, but it wasn't all in pre pre flop. But in the past, I've seen on the first hand of the tournament they both that someone push, got well, knocked out. Well, one guy raises, another guy re raises, and boom, there you go. Yeah, David Bach also playing today. Uh, not too many big names as far as I've seen. But yeah, we'll see what just, I'm reading a hand here that that was posted about 18 minutes ago that said David Bach paid off of uh, paid off somebody with a straight. So David Bach for six, he's down 21.9 already. So he's down to 43. But you know that extra 60,000. I mean, that extra 10000 definitely helps. Remember, they're starting with 60,000 chips. Oh, here's a table with Brandon Shaq Harris and Stephen Chidwick. So that would be not a fun table to sit down. Billy Baxter also playing today. Uh, a few others. Anyway, uh, let's give this little quiz here for Joe. Uh, I took it earlier today as 10 questions about the World Series of Poker, the 50 years. And I got 7 out of 10. I thought that was pretty good. All righty. We'll see what happens. Uh, in what year... Did the field for the WSOB main event first exceed 50 players? And your choices? 1976, 1979, 1982. The first year where they had more than 50 players. More than 50 in the main event? Uh Uh-huh. I'm going to go with the last one, 82. Incorrect. The answer is 79. Okay. I'm going to have a pen here. There we go. There we go. So... We'll give you the next one. Which player was the first to record 50 career caches at the WSOP? And your choices? Phil Helmuth, Barry Johnston, Men Win, which is Men the Master. Wow. 50 caches? Mm-hmm. Huh. I'm going to probably go with Men. Wrong. Wrong. Look at this. I'm Phil Helmuth is the yeah. correct answer. And he just did it in 2006. Uh, prior to earning that cash, it was a three-way twi- tie between those three names. Oh, they all okay. had 49. There you go. In 2006, Phil became the first one to 50. Uh, who was the last player, age 50 or older, to win the WSOP main event? Your choices, Johnny Moss, Dan Harrington, Noel Furlong. Last player aged 50 or older to win the main Dan event. Dan Harrington. Wrong. Noah? Answer, Noel Furlong. Noel? Yeah, it was like 1997, maybe. I think uh, Harrington was early 90s, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, wow. I thought for sure it was Harrington. Uh, question four. In what year did the World Series of Poker schedule first include more than 50 bracelet events? We've been kind of joking about this one. Uh, your choices, 2001, 2004, 2007. I'll go with 2001, the first one. No? No. 2007. It was kind of recent. Uh, remember, wow. they always were in like the 40s for a long time, 30s and 40s. Damn, I'm 0 for 4. You're 0 kicking 4. my ass already, Big Dave. I already beat you. Yes, sir. Uh, what you, a, if you get the last said, six. You're kicking my ass. If you get the last six, uh, you still can't beat me. <laughs> <laughs> what year did the WSOP main event prize pool first exceed $50 million? The prize pool? Oh, my God. It's gotta be. Fortunately, I didn't write down what the correct answer was. <laughs> what are the years that you have there? Two thousand five, two thousand seven, two thousand nine. Five, seven, or nine. I'm gonna go with nine. I don't know if it's true, right or. Well, we'll give you that one, but I don't think it's right. I think it was five. But okay, we'll see. Uh, w- next question: What was the first year the WSOP schedule included an event? With a 50K buy-in, $50,000 buy-in. I have no clue on any of 2006, these. 2009, 2011. Six. Correct. Hey, I got one. I guessed one right. I actually <laughs> missed that one. I put uh, 2009. Yeah! 
<laughs> I got one right, damn it. I guessed on one right. It was actually a horse tournament uh, that year, a $50,000 horse tournament, which they have since changed to eight-game mix. Uh, question seven. Besides having won the most bracelets, Phil Helmuth also holds the record for the most WSOP final tables. Final tables? Was that me? It's got to be you, Big Dave. Oh, yeah, here it is. Sorry, I guess you're going to have to do a little bit of editing there, Big Joe. All right. No, so Joe says no editing. No editing. There you go. Just put it okay. in there live. Let's go back. Uh, Phil Helmuth holds the record for the most final tables. Mm-hmm. True or false, Phil Helmuth has made more than 50 WSOP final tables. True. Correct. Can we Yay. give Can we give him a uh, fanfare? Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> uh, this year, question eight. I think you're. Are you up to three? You got three in a row. You gave me one and two that I know for that I got right. So you gave me one. I don't know if that we don't know if that's right or wrong. Uh, this year, the starting stack in the main event will increase from fifty thousand to sixty thousand well, chips, one, as we mentioned. That we know, right? In what year did they increase the starting stack from thirty to fifty? I think that was only just two thousand eight, uh-huh. two thousand twelve, two thousand sixteen. I think it would be sixteen. That is correct. There we go. Four in a row. <laughs> players, question nine. Players from all 50 states participate in events at the World Series of Poker each year. In 2018, last year, which one of the 50 states was responsible for the most entries at the WSOP? And your choices are Nevada, California, Florida. Well, I'd love to say Florida, but I think it's California. It is California. Correct. There you go. I finished strong. I finished strong. Oh, I got one more. You got five in a row, though. You You can actually come uh, one behind me. Uh, Question 10. Each year, players from more than 100 different countries participate in WSOP events. True or false? Over the 50 years of the WSOP, more than 50 countries, different countries, have won bracelets. More than 50 countries? Have won bracelets. I would have to say false. Correct. There we no, go. No, I'm sorry. No, That's it's not true. Correct. It's, it's two true. countries. It is true. Oh, have no. we, oh, I thought you were talking about. <laughs> damn. Fifty and, countries uh, have won bracelets. They sent out a press release this year that 51 different countries have won bracelets over history, with South Korea being the latest to do so. I'm sorry. That wow. Was, uh, that, that is a true answer. You idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll give you five. Not bad. Not bad. That's it. Hey, listen. I had no clue. I mean, I, I took an educated guess with, with California. Uh, I was close with Phil Helmuth and men. Tricky question with three of them all being at 49 uh, prior to Phil Helmuth getting his last uh, cash. But uh, interesting, interesting, yeah. interesting question. It kind of gets you to thinking. Uh, we mentioned the uh, the gala, and uh, they had some photos of People with Doyle there, and uh, of course Negreanu and Helmuth and Moneymaker, and and they were kind of like the stars of the show. Justin Bonomo getting an award as well, but um, th- obviously they're having so much fun out there. Uh, what I heard is that the total number of players in the event so far, 147,000, was up like 30, almost 33 percent from last year. So it was close to 100,000 last year, yeah. and now it's almost 150. Uh, for, for not for the whole tournament, but for equal matched-up type events. Right, you know, right, right, right. So look at it. Wow. That, that, that's, that's good news for those who are picking over on that number that they've, set, that they've put up for the main event, you know? I want to get into this a little more next week, but I do want to mention the, uh, the TDA Summit. They had two days out there with some of the top tournament directors. Joe, of course... Works as a tournament director and, of course, ran a room for a long time. Uh, one of the things I wanted to mention was uh, this controversial topic about whether dealers should announce bet sizes as they're being placed. Traditionally, dealers have been told only to announce bet or raise. Uh, specify amounts only when receiving a request from a player whose turn it is to act. That's been what the case is. Uh, they do want to say... Uh, that the dealer should be announcing every sizing. That's kind of a tough job, wouldn't you say? 
when you say every size? You mean announcing every bet that's out there? Yeah, I'm announcing the bet size uh, when a player puts out, say, uh, you know, raises five to eight hundred. Raises to eight hundred. Yeah. A lot of players do that. Uh, a lot of dealers way. do that a lot of time. Anyway, don't I they? catch a lot of flack here because I'm telling dealers and players are going, no, you don't supposed to say that, and they're this and the other. And again, things have changed so much. From when I broke into this business and I was dealing and the way I taught dealers to, to deal, you know, for all these you know past 20 plus years that I've been teaching people. And I always found it easier to announce the bet sizing. It avoided mistakes on the tables from other players who didn't see a, a sizing and thought they were making their own raise. And the person may have put in a lot more money than than they now you're holding them to that wager um you know i understand when somebody goes all in that you don't break down and even in my day you know when i first started dealing back in the early you know well 92 which was the first time it was legal in the state of florida um you know you 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 broke down all in wagers uh, now I'm not talking about back then in '92 because you couldn't go all in right. <laughs> with the type of game that we had. But in in the private games and and everything else that I was dealing, you know, you were taught taught to do that. And in, when I did go play uh, in Atlantic City, uh, when I went back to Atlantic City, and the first time I played in Vegas, you know, I saw dealers breaking that down. You know, since then, you know, the players don't want that. Um, you, you know. In tournament or cash games, you know, unless someone asks you, um, you know, you know what's what's the bet, then you then you have to break it down. Right. He I, said, uh, the, the Savage said, for the most part, when it gets to a player, they'll look at it and ask how much that is anyway. If they don't, can't tell. Right. Right. Away. Right. But you know, some people, like I said, I think it would make the game go a little bit quicker. I honestly don't know what the advantage that these players believe they've got. By not announcing it, don't let them know how much I got there. I, you know, I, I don't know. I've played poker. I don't know if poker's changed so much in, in the years that I've been playing poker. But I can look at somebody's stack and pretty much guesstimate what they got there with, within, within uh, you know, a few dollars. So um, I don't know if it's just part of the mental game that these guys like to play nowadays. Dave. There, there was a lot of support from a lot of the uh, tournament directors that were at the uh, the summit. Uh, Matt Savage said he was pleased to get the change into the rule set as a, quote, recommended procedure. So, you know, it's not etched in stone. He said, uh, you know, think if it's about not it. working, you can get away from it. And then think th- about it. You have so many. Remember, we discussed the dealers and the quality of, you know, of of their skill level. You know, how, how, you know, how high their quality is of their skill level. I don't want to say bad dealers, but unfortunately, there are a lot of them out there right, because... Right. They literally need bodies that can, you know, properly pitch cards. Um, And I believe that this particular rule would help that, uh, you know, help those dealers to run a table where this particular rule would probably save you, you know, Heartaches from, yeah. from dealers not uh, making mistakes because they didn't announce it and because the players didn't see it. Exactly. Along those lines, Savage said that he thought it would keep dealers more in tune with the game, improve their counting skill, especially among those less experienced dealers. Exactly. So I, this is all. This is something. Listen, an experience. You know, and it's amazing because when you see these dealers that are break-ins, and we all were. You know, everybody who's been a dealer at one time was like this. Um, but then. As a manager, you see some of these break-ins, and you know you're scratching your head, going, you know, you know, how did I give this person a job? Sometimes, <laughs> because <laughs> because you know there you go, their audition wasn't as bad as what they're showing me now, and then you see a true professional run the game, Dave. Wow, it's it's like you sit back and you go, nah, that's why this person's earning this much money as a dealer because they are just that much better at it than than you know so many else in your room. Right. Uh, the other thing they talked about was, should they force players to stack their chips in 20s? Stacks of 20. Um, personally, that's something I would love to see. You know, that's something should I would love. Should it be enforced? Should it be enforced? I mean, you know, suggested. I mean, a dealer should be able to look at a stack and tell if a stack is close to... T- I mean, granted... Some players will put 21 or 19, not because they're trying to be, you know, a-holes about it. It's just, you know, they're just stacking it up. 
others, you know, we've seen the towers, you yeah. know, that go way up there and, and stuff like that. I've seen players literally get really upset when people do that. So when they get up from the table, they bang their, their leg against the to table. Try to knock it down. To knock it down. I saw, I saw a funny off. picture of a guy had about maybe about 40 chips in front of him, and he had them, he had them arranged in, in single file. It was it was like a it was like a pyramid in front of him, but it was all chips of one. Uh. That's it, right? Yeah. Well, we've seen it every which way, you know. Like I tell everybody, you know, poker players are just like most gamblers. Most of them are stupid stitious, as I like to call them. So Kenny Hallert uh, was a big part of the t- uh, summit. A uh, great player, also a great uh, tournament director. He said it would speed the game up, reduce mistakes from all parties. And that's the basis for all of this, Dave. It's not because somebody wants to change the style of you know, your lucky charm of one stack being bigger than the other. It's just, you know, I, again, I can't imagine the amount of times floors get called to the table because of a dealer error. And any time you can, you know, put a rule into effect, that helps break in dealers. Like I said, <clears throat> experienced dealers don't need that. They know how to run the game properly. And it's you know it's it's wonderful to watch an experienced dealer, but when you have these break-ins, you know if you you know institute some different rules that allows them, and it really doesn't it doesn't change the game obviously, it just allows them to be a little bit you know to function a little bit easier on the table, and with less mistakes. And as a poker player, bottom line, that's exactly what I want. I want less mistakes on the table because, you know. This dealer's mistake could have, could be in my advantage this particular time, and the next dealer that comes in, their mistake could cost me a huge pot. Right, so right. if it's run correctly, I really don't care. You know, I just want them to do this the right way, and I'm agreeing with Savage here. You know, most of the tournament directors will have to be in favor of these rules because it just it just makes life so that much easier right. and less problematic for everybody. Well, they weren't able to really come to a decision on that, kind of tabled it, but did say that uh, uh, language will be written into the etiquette violations regarding poor chip countability and visibility. So it's up to the TD's discretion to decide whether it's a that's a show. I'd love to see if they, if they try to institute a penalty to somebody like that. I mean... Granted, you know, your higher denominations are supposed to be on top, for they're visible to everybody, right. so everybody knows for until for a long time. But, you know, this is going to be, this is something that has to be really put into that rule and given some time for the people to adjust to it, for the players to adjust to it. Right, absolutely. Uh, they also talked about re-entry tournaments, uh, which, of course, was a little bit of a sore spot for Savage, who came up with the idea and is now against it. But they that didn't go too far. Uh, also talked about big, the big blind ante and a couple of other things that uh, really haven't been resolved. But um, in what whether, res- whether in sh- regards were they talking about the big blind ante making well, it, making I, it ma- uh, that's the way it's right, got to be done. Right. Exactly. I thought it was already in there because it's let pretty me much tell you, it's pretty much a hundred percent. So accepted. it's so convenient. Well, here's one of the discussions was whether they should change it a little bit on on who pays the ante. Uh, Kenny Hallard had some ideas. Uh, I, I don't think we have enough time to get into this tonight, but uh, we will talk about more next week. Perfect. Uh, also, uh, whether they should use ten uh, ten seat uh, final tables or nine. And I think they decided that nine was the best, but uh, we'll talk a little more about that as well next week. I don't, you know, the, we always go to ten on the final table, but for the for the considered final table, it's nine, and you know, I don't see that being a problem. Right. It's never been a problem before. If it's not broken, don't don't fix it. Well, we'll get to more of that next week. I just wanted to briefly touch on that and uh, talk about what we're going to do uh, next week. So, uh, they are moving on now in the uh, World Series. Uh, the only list they have, and it's not a true official count, but nine hundred players thus far. And uh, we should have, by the time we're done on Friday, should have over 7,000. So, uh, so uh, let me see if I can get any chip counts. Uh, just a couple of minutes left in the show. Chip counts. Uh, well, you know, day one is usually the lowest entry of, 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 true. of, of, of you know, for the, for the main event. So I think uh, we should mention his name because uh, we may not hear from him again. But Louis Hillman. Is the chip leader with 113,000 chips. Good for, you know, listen, he could come <laughs> home and say, at one point in my life, I was the chip leader in the main event. But very important, uh, the seventh place in chips right now is Cameron Lemons, 
Lemons. There you go, buddy. Anybody anybody related to Mr. Dave Lemons? Not that I know of. Anyway, uh, not a lot of huge names uh, near the top of the leaderboard, of course, very early, and uh, we'll uh, be looking over that over the next week. Uh, by the time we get here next week, we'll be into day three, I think. So, uh, I so just won't be here for the... Yeah. Well, actually, I might be. Actually, okay. I think I will be here for the one after that, so okay. that we should have a final by then. Okay, 60,000 chips, players underway, uh, entries until Saturday or Sunday, and we'll certainly look forward to uh, what happens this year. TV coverage tonight, 8.30 on ESPN2, and the next couple of nights for day one. Uh, that's going to do it for our program. Uh, Joe Castello, thank you for stepping in and uh, and being with us tonight and uh, getting the show on the air. Joe, thank you for traveling up from uh, South Dade. I've been down there the last well, couple t- of days. So today I, I traveled more from the Margaritaville uh, in oh, okay. Fort Lauderdale over here. So. Okay, that's going to do it. We'll be back next week with another edition of the show. I'm Big Dave Lemon. We'll see you next week. <laughs>